Here in our North Carolina temples, we make it a practice to welcome visitors personally. So sometimes when I am working outside, I find myself heading toward the Dharma Hall parking lot when someone pulls into the driveway. When I greet these folks, they frequently share how they've been driving by our temple for years and have always wanted to know what was behind the tall green hedge that lines the street. Others arrive courtesy of Google searches or because they are in crisis seeking peace and refuge. But no matter what brings people here, each person is treated with care. There is no wrong reason and no wrong way to arrive at our temple. This welcoming of visitors is not an accident, nor is it simply because Reverend Wongong has instilled in us her friendly nature. I think she sees each visitor's arrival as the seed of a Dharma affinity beginning to sprout. As we greet each visitor, we are welcoming their affinity and offering it a friendly place to grow. Master Sote-san had a similar view. There are a number of stories in our scriptures that describe him welcoming all kinds of people into the one Buddhist community, even when some members were hesitant or outright opposed. In one instance, several prostitutes joined the early Sangha, much to the consternation of those certain their presence of prostitutes would make one Buddhism a laughingstock and hinder its growth. To those complaining, Sote-san said, The great intent of a Buddha Dharma everywhere is always to deliver all sentient beings in the spirit of loving-kindness and great compassion. How can we exclude these people? Another time, a government installed the police detective at the Wan Buddhist headquarters to maintain a strict surveillance on Sote-san and the community. In those days, Korea was forcibly occupied by a foreign government, and they were using hardcore tactics to weaken and stamp out any homegrown Korean political and religious organizations. Police harassment was common, so it is easy to understand how the detective's presence would have been a source of great anxiety, distrust, and fear. Yet, Master Sote-san welcomed the detective very kindly and treated him with great love and care just as if he were a beloved disciple. Over time, the detective developed such respect for Master Sote-san and for One Buddhism that he became a One Buddhist practitioner and received the Dharma name. His daughter became a very active Kyomanim when she grew up. These stories, one about prostitutes, 
and one about an enemy detective beautifully demonstrate Master Sote-san's intentions and action. He made sure that whoever showed up in the Wan Buddhist community was sincerely and meaningfully welcomed, no matter who they were or why they arrived. Sote-san's actions are a model for us. He did not put on a charade of superficial politeness for uh, newcomers. He actively embraced all of humanity in difficult circumstances and instructed his disciples and us to do the same. Through this wise approach, one Buddhism thrived, and new doors of spiritual development were opened for people whose lives had been dominated by disempowerment, hostility, and rejection. Whenever I think about Sote-san's powerful practice of welcoming, I am reminded of a term I came across some years ago, no wrong door. At the time, I was working with fellow mental health community advocates, and we were trying to design a system in which crisis services would be easily available to anyone seeking them. No wrong door was the gold standard. It meant access to help and services every hour, every day, year-round, whether you had insurance or not, or could pay or not, spoke English or not, or if you showed up unannounced or called, texted, emailed, or sent a letter, you would instantly be connected with help because there were no wrong doors to block your entry. Every point of contact was a right door. The no wrong door principle was an important guide star for us because unintentional built-in barriers could be lethal. Lives would be lost if we designed the crisis system poorly. Similarly, system design was paramount for Master Sote-san when he developed One Buddhism. His wonderful universal teachings based on Ilwan truth would have gone nowhere if he designed an organization littered with barriers, obstacles, and privilege. He needed to design a system that was barrier-free. A warm welcome, however nice, cannot create meaningful access to Dharma if the door to it is blocked. Sote-san's no-barriers approach is so important that he made it a fundamental component of One Buddhism. How do we know this? One way is to look at a few of the key teachings. Notice how vast and unlimited Sote-san's vision is in this description. What can be practiced by all people under heaven is a great way. What can be practiced by a limited number of people 
is a small way. Our cardinal teachings, Ilwan, the fourfold grace, the four essentials, the threefold study, and the eight articles, is a great way under heaven. And it can be practiced by all people under heaven. Master Sotesan also emphasized that one Buddhism's essential teachings must be applied widely to the individual, family, society, nation, and the world. This is really significant. And it sparks a question. How did Master Sotesan turn his remarkably comprehensive vision of Dharma into a no-barriers practice that would actually be meaningful and welcoming to the wide rainbow of humanity that populates our planet. Since Sotesan was a powerful advocate for all of us, let's explore this question through an image used in advocacy work. Most folks agree that equality is wonderful and everyone should have it, but Sometimes, equality just doesn't live up to its potential. There is a wonderful drawing that is often used to highlight equality's limitations. Let's imagine it together. In front of you is a group of kids trying to look over a tall, solid wooden fence. Each plank of the fence is the same height. In that sense, the fence is equal for all the kids. However, only the kids taller than the fence can see over it. Some of the kids stand on their toes, trying to see over it with mixed success. Other kids are so short that Seeing over the fence is just not possible. If the goal is to see over the fence, the equal heights of its planks do not make for equal access to view. One solution is to provide boxes for the shorter kids to stand on so they can see over the fence. Although things are no longer equal for each kid, Some have boxes to sand on and some do not. The goal of everyone being able to see over the fence is possible. And that sounds good, right? But actually, there's one more step. While it is true that providing boxes for the shorter kids to stand on help them to see over the fence, our real work both as advocates for humanity and as practitioners of dharma, is to tear down the fence. This analogy of kids looking over the fence does a nice job of showing how even beautiful visions require well-designed actions if they are going to have meaningful impact. Once, when someone proposed a one-size-fits-all approach for religious practice, Master Sote responded by asking, 
How can a neophyte be treated the same as a seasoned practitioner? How can we prescribe a dharma that is appropriate only for a few and neglect the rest? Accessibility and inclusion were important core principles for Sotesan, and he used them to shape one Buddhism at a most fundamental level. It is the standard he has given us to follow. This month, as we celebrate the anniversary of Master Sote San's awakening, I invite each of us, in the same spirit of his make sure that every door is the right door approach, to consider how we can embody and cultivate a fully accessible, ill-won truth in our communities. Such a practice can have profound effects. I know because I've been a beneficiary of it. Some years ago, before Uber, Lyft, and Zoom, it became evident to Reverend Wongong that I was not attending special evening temple programs because I was unable to drive in the dark. Her response was to invite me to sleep at the temple on those nights, a kind action that turned an impediment into a gift of access and allowed me to experience and learn from temple life more fully. From this and from other opportunities that have unfolded through the alertness and actions of my teachers and mentors, I have lived a welcoming and accessible one Buddhist no-wrong-door reality. It is a beautiful gift and one of the hallmarks of my life in one Buddhism. Doors are amazing portals, and if you think about it, they are transformative. When we pass through a doorway, we take ourselves out of one physical space of reality and quite literally merge ourselves into another. As soon as the very first molecule of our being enters that new space, we are in a mutual relationship with it. A room's energy ebbs and flows with our entering and leaving. We are shaped by what we create and what was created by all the enterings and leavings that came before. We might not often think about the mutual relationship we have with the places and spaces we abide. But actually, the teachings of Wan Buddhism encourage us to consider them. One of our foundational teachings is all is grace, a truth that unfolds through the graces essential to our lives, the grace of the universe, parents and ancestors, fellow beings, and the laws of dharma and justice. In Wan Buddhism, we practice gratitude to these graces by entering into a relationship with them. When we enter the portal of life, we enter that relationship. 
Healthy relationships are easy to spot. Loving care and mutual respect are always present, always interwoven, always real. Our relationships and our practice are not theoretical. We each practice with our mind, heart, energy, and body. Nothing we do, think, touch, create, or share is theoretical. So, let's smile with gratitude to the doors through which we entered our practice and to their welcoming creators. And let us joyfully consider how we can beautifully shape the places and spaces we are inhabiting now and are shaping for others to enter in the future. Thank you. Come some